Welcome to the Modernizer Die Podcast Soapbox Edition. In this podcast, we take you behind the scenes in the Cold Fusion community. We'll talk to the leaders about what they're working on to push the language forward with tools, frameworks, modules, lessons learned, and best practices. So welcome back to another Modernizer Die Soapbox Edition. And today we've got the sixth episode, and I'm happy to have Sam Knowlton come visit me today. Start again. So, want to do a quick intro on yourself uh, just before we get started, and I start asking the hard questions. So, uh, so who are you, <laughs> and uh, who do you work for, and why are you here? Those are good questions. Uh, I'm Sam Knowlton. I work for In League, which is a small uh, boutique enterprise application development shop started in New York City. Uh, around 2002, 2003, um, really took off, at least for us, around 2005, 2006. And it's been my full-time gig since around then. So what is that, 13, 14 years? Um, I started the company. I still spend about 50 or 60% of my time writing code. So when I go and tell people to modernize or die, I am also referring to myself since I am among the guilty parties. Um and I've already forgotten your third question. That's okay. That's okay. We'll, we'll get into this here. So um, one of the big questions, obviously, we're working with Cold Fusion. Um, so when did you start working with Cold Fusion? Do you remember when and, and what version? I do. Um, when I was in school in upstate New York, it, I was not a computer science major, but I did several semesters of it. I was a literature and theater major. Um, but I had always been a computer nerd, and so I thought, well, I should learn something useful. And... CS101 at that time was all Java. And this was the early days of database-driven stuff. Like if you had a database on your website and you could log into it in you know, 1999, 2000, like that was awesome. It probably looked like hell because you know designers didn't really exist yet. Um, and so we went to the CS department and we said, you should do web stuff and not just HTML because you already do that, but some like backend uh, database-driven stuff. And what they came up with uh, was a brand, first an independent study and then a brand new course um, that was, I think, just called like database-driven web application development. And it was taught by a young man uh, whose first name is Jonathan, whose last name I don't recall, uh, except to say that instead of the word attributes, he would say attributes. Uh, but he uh, somehow was hooked up to Alair and he knew Cold Fusion and that was the subject of the class. So it was like crash course in, in SQL in Cold Fusion. It was the first real practical thing we'd learned, which uh, where I went to school was very unusual because it's a research university and they're not really about doing actual things. They're more about talking about things. Um, and then I got hired shortly after graduation to work for the school. It was the only real job I've ever had. In about 2002, 2003, I worked for the School of Industrial and Labor Relations. And uh, the school at that time had a lot of cold fusion going on. So it was just convenient that I already knew the language. And then uh, about a year and a half later, when I left to really start in league, it was the thing that was under my belt. There were already... There were other things out there, you know, PHP was probably still the one that most people would go to, but the ability to do things quickly uh, back then and still today uh, were one of the big selling points and it was sort of already what we had. So we went with it. And um, although we've, at certain points in between, we've regretted that, that we stayed with it, we no longer do. Uh, and a lot of what you guys talk about in Modernizer Die is, is why that's the case and why we're happy and, and not sad. Cool. Yeah. So I was going to ask you what you did before, but you're pretty much a student. So 
Mm-hmm. I don't need to do that. Well, one. before actually, my I, I fixed computers for Best Buy, um, and then I did help desk work uh, at the university for my regular job. Um, so, like I said, I was always a computer nerd, but uh, that was my first real programming job. Okay, cool, cool. So uh, the main reason we invited you to for, be on the soapbox right now is that we actually had you speak at into the box in the keynote. And so that was a pretty big deal. So why do we ask you to speak into the box? Do you know? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, several reasons. Some are more flattering than others. Um, I'll I'll start with the reason that I would probably uh, tell most people, which is that particularly in the CF community, we are I mean, I wouldn't say poster children because we still have enough bad behavior that that I wouldn't hold up every single thing we do. But I think we started drinking the modernization Kool-Aid before it was cool to do that. Um, probably around 2015, and you know, I'll talk about this a little bit uh, in the slides later. But around 2015, we we had our homegrown framework. You know, we were in, we'd been in business a while. We had a good business. We had a stable business, but it was really a chore. Like we didn't feel like we were doing stuff that we were really proud to be doing in terms of how we were building our applications. And then we said, you know, we've really got to get on board with one of these frameworks. And we ended up with Coldbox. Um, It was a big learning curve for us. I think it's maybe a little less of one now. Um, And our journey over those intervening few years particularly with everything from cold box modules to Docker to command box deployments. I mean, we've kind of been following in Ortis's wake in terms of the number of um, sort of stuff in your ecosystem or in your tool belt that you use to run a successful company and to build enterprise applications for other people. Um, We're discovering that Ortis had it right just about everywhere, even in places where we're not doing it exactly the same way. Those tend to be sort of idiosyncratic things. Um, and it's it's just been a very fulfilling task, even as it's been a lot of work, um, because we're excited to be developing applications again. You know, we're, we're excited to use, uh, you know, just recently we deployed a big application using um, a command box task runner microservice. Um, and it was a really big deal for our client and the whole thing start to finish from the day they asked if we could do it to when it was in production it was two months with two people working on it. So that's why I think um, we tend to pop up a lot in terms of, you know, it's one thing for you guys wearing the order shirt to come in and say, you all should do this and zero to hero. And it's great. Like, well, it sounds like you're selling something. And if you didn't know Ortis and you didn't know you, you guys, then you would be forgiven for thinking, oh, well, they're just marketing. But no, it's actually... Uh, it's the right way to do things. Um, not necessarily like let's just do nothing but buy Orta's products, but like the way that you approach these problems, the way that you look at best practices and the way that you look at what you're doing and saying, is this you know, worthwhile? Is this, um, you know, can I credibly call myself a software engineer if this is how I'm doing things? And that's been the biggest change and we're, we're pretty vocal about it. Uh, we also, we feel like we our contribution to all this is, mostly pull requests and community participation. Um, you know, we're not, we're actually not commercial customers of Ortis at all at the moment. Um, and so we try and give back as best we can you know, on Slack and for the, you know, the five minutes out of the year when Brad's not available to answer some command box question, um, we're starting to know a lot of those answers. And so I think that's, that's probably why um, we, we were a good face to have in a keynote into the box. Uh, we hired a, a new designer recently who's an army vet and he was asking me, you know, what sort of conferences we've been to and I was explaining about the box. He's like, how did you end up speaking it into the box? He's like, well, this guy wanted Jocko Willink 
but he couldn't afford him. And then he wanted Jocko's like number two. He couldn't afford him. Then he wanted the Adobe Corporation and they said they couldn't do it. So apparently I'm next on that list. <laughs> that, it seems like there should be more degrees in between me and Jocko, but uh, I'll take it. Yeah. I mean, we obviously, we like customer success stories and, uh, you know, just today you're deploying something new uh, on your Docker Swarm. Absolutely. <laughs> And so, you know, we like to have those stories and share the experiences because you're right, you know, we can preach all we want, but uh, it's it's the, the customers using it and seeing the benefits and the value and, and those are important to share. And yeah, that's why we wanted you there to, to share that with the, the keynote to sort of show the success story and, uh, you know, and how you guys are still evolving. You don't have to go whole hog and, and throw everything away and start from scratch. I mean, uh, that's actually the biggest piece of it because we're a good case study in that uh, respect in that. Our oldest application was the one we started working on in 2002. And we still have, we don't have any code from 2002, but we have some stuff from 2005, 2006. Um, and changing whether it's from a traditional Windows server, which is how we used to do it, uh, to Docker or from our homegrown framework to, uh, to Coldbox, those were really large tasks. And our ability to do them incrementally and to solve problems as they came up is it, that probably went pretty smoothly. And I think a lot of people, they look at this stuff and they just go, oh, that's so different. You know, the cool kids do that. Like we had a, that feeling, not from anything that you guys did, but it's just, it's a natural thing to look at like a modern bit of software and go, that doesn't look like anything I see every day. And, you know, no one upstairs is going to sign off on using all this new stuff. Um, and so we tackled those problems. Um, and because we had a lot of support on the business side, and I, that's probably one of the, the values in our in our story to most people who just get daunted by it either from the technical angle or just from the management angle of you know we're used to buying these licenses and using that product and we don't want to revisit that stuff well maybe you should yeah exactly and i mean that's the thing too i don't even like the name best practices we, i like to call them better practices because it's <laughs> better than what it was yesterday and you know very good and, yes. and you can sort of move up because yeah best implies that it's the best ever and you'll never get past it but yeah i mean best practice better better practice whatever you want to call it i mean that's definitely an improvement moving forward we'd settle um, for not horrible practice yeah <laughs> and so that well because that, the other the other side of that and this is something that also comes up you know when we have payroll to make and when we have client deliverables we've got to do um there's a, a saying that you know real artists ship at the end of the day we do have to make our product work and so we don't have like a lot of luxury time to just play with something if we're going to make a choice it's got consequences and that's something that we're keenly aware of in that so when we when we say that we've been through that like you mentioned today the deployment we did uh, we, we took our oldest application that was first written um, in ColdFusion MX, and we transitioned not only from ColdFusion 11 to Lucy 5, but from a Windows deployment to a Docker command box deployment. So completely new architecture, but it's still running a lot of the same old code. It had to be able to do that. And so those are those are things that we are delighted to have been able to solve. Yeah, exactly. And uh that's that's cool. I mean, our better practices that we try and preach is stuff that we've learned the hard way. You know, we try a lot of new stuff. We look work on a lot of new products, but most of the things we build are because we ran into problems. You know, we had difficulties or hardships or the same thing happened over and over again. Like, well, there's got to be a better way. And so, I mean, we've learned the lesson and we try and share it. And then we learn from the community too, right? When you guys are committing back and those pull requests and everything, I mean, it's all important. So, you know, we thank you guys for for helping out. And like I said, a lot of people just use our stuff and we never 
never hear from them but you guys <laughs> you're vocal one way or the other for good or for bad right you yeah. guys let us know it's that but, literature degree <laughs> i can't yeah. solve the problem but i can complain about it very articulately yeah and um, but that's really Fine. important like i know you guys done a lot of work with qb and quick because you're you're working hard in that and you know 2.0 a lot of that stuff came from problems and and things you're working on and you know that just helps make the community better and that's the other reason we like you know to showcase someone like you because you guys are having an impact you guys are giving us feedback and you're making it better and so the community part of this whole soapbox thing is you know the community together is going to make it better and so if we all work together we can all do our part whether it's a pull request whether it's just filing an issue saying hey this don't work right or it doesn't work the way i think it should <laughs> You know that will help and we can you know get to the bottom of it and figure it out so so i think right now would be a good time to do the slide so we're gonna jump into a little slideshow here in 2015 we were ready to give up on cold fusion in 2016 the word cold box appeared in our repo for the first time now that a few years have gone by how did that work out for us my name is Sam Knowlton. I'm the founder and principal developer at InLeague. Um, I've been at this since 2002, and my credentials are impeccable. If you don't get the joke, ask anyone with gray hair or take my word for it. It's really funny. Um, but who are we and why does our journey with Coldbox matter to you? And this is a slightly extended version of a bit of the keynote that we gave it into the box in 2019. Every part of what we do relies on cold box or command box. Either the tool that we needed was already there and we grabbed it or something close to it was there and we grabbed it, improved it, and pushed it back out. Uh, we don't have any formal business relationship with Ortis. Uh, we're not sponsors for Into the Box. Um, we are occasionally supported them on uh, Patreon, but Ortis isn't paying us or even giving us free Into the Box tickets to talk to you about all of this. Not that we didn't ask. InLeague is a small shop of developers and designers. We don't have a sales team. We don't have a marketing department. We don't have an office. We have tens of thousands of users and two enterprise applications to support among uh, a couple of smaller ones. This should mean two things to you. Number one, anybody can do what we do. We did not borrow a bunch of money to get started. Uh, we came in and had to pay for what was going out. And two, when you're small enough that anybody can do what you're doing, Every choice you make matters, and few of them matter more than framework and tooling. So I want to talk for just a minute about the term modern CFML. It's, it's essential for us to run a lean and efficient shop. But all of this is true even if you work for a big company and maybe you're removed from the technical strategy. But I would like everyone listening to agree that modern CFML is much more than just a marketing term. This is a pretty mercenary shop at InLeague. I'm not terribly opinionated on many what's the right tool for the job questions. Uh, this is a bit of an exception. Aside from the technical merits of modern CFML, one benefit from it that everybody listening uh, should always have from their jobs is self-respect. I really don't even care anymore when somebody's all cold fusion, oh, that's horrible, uh, both because what we write today doesn't look like what they're thinking of and because I know that uh, Brad makes this face uh, every time someone says that and will be a long short way to set them straight. Really, though, it's not about hopping on board with whatever new technology is fashionable. Um, you know, we've been doing this for almost 15 years, uh, a little more than 15 years, actually. Um, it's about knowing that you're incorporating better practices in how you solve problems and that your solution will hold up when compared to other stacks or other shops. 
this was really clear for us this year. We were hired to build a system for one of our older clients alongside an in-house tech team uh, that was four times larger than our entire company. We bet the farm on our ability to deliver and scale a real-time document integration system at least as quickly as the team that was much larger than ours, and we ended up doing it more quickly. We started in February and finished by the end of March. How did we do that? In the fall of 2017, I attended Luis's session at CF Summit about hierarchical model view controller REST implementations. That's a mouthful. But in the space of that one session, uh, though I didn't know it at the time, what I saw there led to our commitment to drop a traditional uh, Windows Cold Fusion deployment in favor of Command Box and Docker. And we turned the page on modern APIs being something we were reading about to something we were building. We even started our client project that I mentioned just a couple of months ago with the REST HMVC Coldbox template that is out there on GitHub uh, ready for you. Let's take a look at some actual code that solved a really big problem our client had and earned us a lot of goodwill. Oops, here we go. This is 29 lines of code, or 20 if you don't count the doc block, but you should count the doc block because it's one of three cool things going on in this one little snippet. Uh, here are two cold box modules and one cold box template with some in league modifications. Up top, you have CB Swagger, which is producing some uh, very nice looking API docs for our client. They don't have API docs on their side, uh, but we do. CF Fractal here on the bottom is doing a business transformation from our entity, in this case, a scholar and a school, uh, to how the client wants to consume it uh, on their end. And then in the middle, we have Base Handler, which is part of that template, the cold box template, and the REST response object, which is the other piece, they're handling the actual plumbing of the API, authenticating and authorizing the incoming request, converting the payload to the request context, and then standardizing the response object. But modern CF isn't just about API development. Uh, things that we've struggled with for years and have got really spectacular solutions today, uh, some of them just in the last couple of weeks. So this page is just a greatest hits of our apps modules, but I really encourage you to look at uh, CF migrations, Hyper and Mementifier. Far and away, my personal favorites are Quick and QB. The no more hibernate and there was an error committing the transaction mysticism, like do I get to know what the error was? Quick will tell you what the error was. So uh, if you came into the box, uh, possibly you caught uh, John Clausen's session on, I think, 10 cold box modules. He dove into them. Um, there's a lot of overlap, but, but he actually had a number of really cool ones that we, didn't, that we don't use that should be on this list. So if you can look up his slides from into the box, that's very worthwhile. Uh, also, another one that is probably going to be on this list next year or maybe even sooner is Rulebox, uh, which we have one of the more older pieces of our code on the, the soccer side is hundreds of lines of procedural fee calculations. Sort of, you know, if you've got an eight-year-old signing up to play versus a 12-year-old, and if you're signing up after this date, if you've previously signed up, if you're in a family that has three kids, there's all these little rules that can change your fees. And right now we have lots of ifs and switches, and uh, we're very excited to look at Rulebox for, for refactoring that. But I can remember not that long ago um, sitting at a conference or listening to a podcast and some smart ass is up there showing off a dozen lines of code like they're the holy grail and thinking, yeah, yeah, that's great. But this seems very different than what I have to actually do every day to not get fired from my job. And one of the things I hear sometimes when these tools gets brought up is, 
yes, but we haven't switched to cold box yet and it's all too much, maybe next year. The thing about that is that we still haven't switched to cold box. Our two flagship apps are about 17 and nine years old, respectively. And you had better believe we've got legacy pages in there for whom cold box is the luxury apartment complex on the other side of town. Just about all of these tools uh, and cold box itself by far the most can be dropped into whatever you've got going. And even if it takes you an extra hour to figure out how to do that, that's 2% of your app's code that doesn't need to be totally refactored whenever, quote, next year comes around. Uh, and maybe another thing we hear a lot, well, the decision's not mine, it's up to management. Um, but you have got to advocate for modern development. Uh, you know, you're the one listening, you're the one going to the conference and seeing this stuff. I'm kind of preaching to the choir already in that respect. But if it all just seems like too much and you don't know where to start, get an hour or two with someone who's been there and talk about your app. Uh, whether that's, you know, hit me up on Slack, send me an email. You know, we don't, we're not looking for consulting work. I don't want to make money converting anything for you, but I'll be happy to talk to anyone on the business side. We really bet our company on this stuff. Um, or, you know, if it's a technical challenge you've got, uh, you know, pony up for a couple hours of help from, you know, either someone at Ortis or, you know, you know, Pete Freitag does security consulting, that sort of thing. Um, don't just go, oh, well, you know, buying a couple hours, that's expensive. It's easy to waste far much, far more money than that in not doing this stuff. Um, and we've seen it happen where, you know, we'll, we'll look at some code for, you know, that a different company or different developers done and it still quote works, but it's so difficult to deal with and troubleshooting can eat up a whole day uh, that whenever we run into that stuff on Slack, um, we, we really push people to do this. So at InLeague, we try to show our thanks for Coldbox and Commandbox by contributing pull requests and chiming in on Slack. But open source is always a community effort and hopefully its own reward. The thing that Ortis has done and the reason why I'm here to learn the same as all of you is that they have defined what modern cold fusion is. Uh, you know, Luis could retire on his pleasure yacht tomorrow, and even if somebody else came along to take over Coldbox, they couldn't do that the way that Ortis has done it. And it's fun to be a developer again, and thank goodness, because otherwise I have to go back to acting and nobody wants that. Uh, we asked our team a while back if they could go to only one conference, which would it be? And uh, it's into the box, and that's not the tacos, folks. Thank you very much. Okay, well, so that's a little slideshow. So you got the extended version of what Sam <laughs> did at the, at the Into the Box keynote. So uh, we decided to give him a little more time because we were short on time in the keynote. So that slideshow there, uh, again, really, really cool, uh, you know, sort of telling his story. But uh, I want to know a little more about InLeague. So tell us more about InLeague and what it is and what it does. Sure. So we started out, I think I started like a lot of people do just as a freelance developer. Um, and I sort of blundered into a gig working for uh, a local soccer league. They call them regions of the American Youth Soccer Organization or AYSO. And they just wanted some, you know, they wanted to print out rosters and do some stuff. And it's a big centralized national organization. And they had some of those tools, but they were a little bit clunky and they were designed by you know, somebody in the national office um, who wasn't necessarily getting requirements from people on the ground. And I think you maybe know a thing or two about this yourself. <laughs> um, and so we started working for them. And uh, over time, we built a registration system. And they came to us. Um, this was the league in, in Los Angeles. And they said, you know, we don't really want to be in the software business. And most contractors, when you work, you do work for hire. So you finish it. Maybe you get a support agreement. You hand it over. And they said, why don't you 
buy this back from us. You can go turn around and sell it to other leagues because AYSO has several hundred leagues. Um, and then you just give us the improvements and we'll continue to support you in terms of development. And we're just telling you how to run a soccer league because we know that you don't know. Um, and that's essentially what happened. And so we, we, and we got this business model where we would work with clients that we knew pretty well who didn't want to own software. So we would develop it for them and still do at, uh, at well below market rates. I mean, sometimes you know, a third to a half of what you might get uh, from a regular commercial shop, uh, less than that if you're in a big city where you know, sometimes you're paying four or 500 bucks an hour for this stuff. But we would then retain the intellectual property. And so we could turn around and license it to someone else or just essentially make the client a subscriber, which provided us stable revenue, which every company needs. And it provided them with a support team that was more or less on call, even as small as we are. Uh, and it worked out very well because just the nature of the two things we do, and I mentioned AYSO, and I'll, I'll explain the other one in a second, is that there's a small number of people to whom we are answerable 24-7, and then they do most of the support for their organizations. So we're really the people that get called in to solve the problems and then show them how to operate the machine. And then we, you know, we don't leave, but we keep the lights on. Like we run it all for them uh, now in our Docker swarm, um, and we're available as a resource. But you know, we probably have between all of our applications um, easily fifty or sixty thousand users, and that's probably supported by three people. And we don't spend the bulk of our time doing that support. So that's part of that is is luck in that I don't know that I would have thought of doing that upfront. A lot of you know, contractors is sort of just assume, well, here's how the business model for a contractor works. Um, but we also, we knew a couple of people to get the opportunities. And we've, I like to say, we've never lost a client. Uh, we've, we've been lucky to have a good mix of people, both as customers, uh, some very smart people who could educate us on how uh, soccer works, for example, um, and also a good people who've, who've worked with us over the years. The other side of what we do is, is not quite as old. We started probably 2009 or 2010. We work for um, the Success Academy Charter School Network in New York City, and we started building an admissions platform for them because they are a little bit different than most schools in that they have lots and lots of schools. At the time, it was only maybe two or three, but you know, if you live in, say, Austin or Dallas or California somewhere, um, you're typically only applying to one or two. But in New York City, everything is so close together, you might apply to all of them. And they're required by law to have a lottery. And so there's a lot of extra business logic that went into it. You know, you get into this one school, but you prefer this other school. So it has to suck you out of that first one and then fill the, the gap. There was enough stuff that off-the-shelf products didn't solve um, and that we had built a couple little tools for them before. So they asked us to do it. We used the same business model. We said, look, you know, you're a small kind of scrappy educational institution. We're not going to you know, get rich building admissions software for you. Uh, but if you succeed and if you grow and if what we build for you enables that, um, then you're going to be a regular customer with a subscription and maybe we'll turn around and, and sell it to other schools. Uh, they ended up growing so quickly that we've not even had the opportunity to turn it around and sell it to other schools. They now have 47 schools in New York City. Um, the lottery we just had about 18,000 kids applying for three or 4,000 open seats. Um, and they're some of the best schools in the entire state of New York, despite mostly being in uh, Harlem and the Bronx and Brooklyn and places where you maybe wouldn't expect to find some of the best schools. So we're, we're very delighted to be able to work for them. Um, 
I, you know, I like to say I still don't know how soccer really works if I had to like referee a game, but education reform is something I'm very passionate about. And these are, these are some really cool people uh, tackling some of the hardest problems in one of the most difficult urban environments to do that. So from the day you apply to the first day of school, uh, the admissions, the, the lottery itself, and then the sort of enrollment process. And I'll talk a little bit about the, the big project we just had with them this year. Um, well, that actually, that was the one that was in the slides. The, the code samples are from the microservice that we built to help them collect you know, 30,000 documents from all the incoming kids. They've got to do proof of residency. They've got to do health forms and all that stuff. And that was a problem that you know, me and Andrew Davis solved in about six weeks. Um, and it was... Cold Fusion enabled us to do that, and Coldbox enabled us to do that, and Docker enabled us to do that. Cool, cool. So, you want to tell us more about the apps? Obviously, you told us about the business piece, but like, what sort of technology are you using there? Some of the architecture. I mean, you mentioned microservice. So, I mean, are the, is it a monolith of a couple of little microservices? You know, tell us a little more about the nuts and bolts of it, <clears> if you don't mind. Sure. So the the of our two flagship apps, we have a couple of other small businesses that we're in, um, but the two biggest ones that are our day to day, they are monolithic because they were born in either two thousand three or two thousand nine. So on the occasion when we get to do a whole like new piece of it, like a greenfield, let's tack this on. Then we our microservices where we're, we're going to start with that. Um, like now that we're almost completely done moving over to Lucy and probably by the time anyone sees this, we will, I hope, um, we're all about running everything through APIs. Um, we're looking at moving off of a jQuery and bootstrap, which has been our sort of go-to for how we design our, our front ends, uh, to doing Vue.js stuff, which I know is, is one of your favorites. And it's something I've never really got a chance to play with. And I'm very excited about being able to do that. The thing that's held us up, uh, is that, to be able to write an API the way we want to, um, that wasn't something that we could do very effectively in Cold Fusion 11. It can be done. I don't. I don't want to you know, poo-poo anyone who has to do that. But we had an idea of uh, where we wanted it to be, and we knew that um, that Lucy was going to do that for us, and, and probably Cold Fusion 2018 would as well. Uh, but that wasn't just since we are a, a Docker deployment at the time. We had to make the call. Um, there was no clear Docker licensing information on Cold Fusion 2018. So for us, it pretty much had to be Lucy. But other than that, the bulk of the apps are still a combination of uh, Coldbox Handler, which is still a bit monolithic, and legacy pages. Um, every month that goes by, there's fewer and fewer. Um, we essentially have get, as we get round to in our support cycle to updating things, we delete .cfm pages and we move everything into handlers and modules. Um, the two apps that we have, the soccer side, I would say, is a large number of small tools because it's got to do everything from you know, registering players. There's an e-commerce side. They're going to pay for the registration. Um, they're going to be assigned to a team. There's volunteer management. The leagues have to recruit coaches and referees from their parents. They've got to track their certification and training. Um, there's a lot of uh, risk management, like uh, paperwork, um, electronic signature stuff. There's a whole background check process. So we have to integrate not only with AYSO systems, but also with uh, this company called Verified Volunteers that does a lot of background checks. So there's a lot of stuff like uh, we use Hyper all the time because you know we have got these external APIs that we depend on. Uh, and that saves us a lot of effort of having to uh, repeat ourselves. So there's the, the older of the two, the, the in-league product itself is a large number of features like that. The the charter school side is a smaller number of large features. You know, it's got to 
have a button you push and it processes 18,000 kids and does it in a way that will make sense to an audit trail. Uh, if the state comes looking a month later, they need to make sure that, well, did Sam sneak his kid in somewhere? You know, I don't live in New York City anymore, so it's unlikely. But, uh, you know, if I would, I could almost. Uh, but we, we had to build a system that even we couldn't cheat. And uh, that is much more cold box friendly just because it's newer and because, you know, when we rewrite a big piece of it, um, we're able to get rid of more legacy stuff. We have still a couple remaining, but uh, there, the thing they have in common is both applications are for families. Uh, so you've got a parent logging in and adding information about themselves and other members of their family, um, adding information about their kids, doing something with those records, uh, whether it's you know, volunteering on the AYSO side or applying to lots of schools. Um, we've, we have a lot of engagement with people who don't necessarily know who we are because they're doing business with a soccer league or with the charter school system. And that's how we like it. Um, we're there to make the wheels turn. Uh, we're there to make sure the client gets what they need. And then the other side of that is the administrative facing side, which is reporting lots and lots of reporting. Um, I mean, you mentioned Quick and QB. Our interest there is that one of our biggest challenges over the last several years is if you run a soccer league and you want to run some reports, um, you might want to say, show me everyone who signed up for the spring 2018 season. And I want to see the, the kid, their parents, um, what roles their parents volunteered to be, what teams the kid has been on for the last three years, who the coaches of those teams are. And there's 3000 of them. So we have that in hibernate and CFORM, um, only a little bit of CBORM because we discovered that too late, unfortunately. Um, but you can imagine those chain calls of like child, get registration, get team, get coach. Um, and we've got in some cases, 10, 12 years worth of data and the way hibernate is because you can't filter at runtime. We're getting 12 years of coaches when we only want one and quick and QB are, they're the things that we used to sort of daydream about when we would imagine Surely there is a solution to this problem out there somewhere, but we never could have actually come up with it ourselves. Uh, once Eric and Ortis did, we have no problem coming up with, all right, well, couldn't it also do this? But the, the fundamental approach to how to solve that problem has been the biggest single thing that has escaped me for years. Uh, and we're looking forward to redoing a whole lot of our CFORM stuff. Um, it's, it's probably the thing we're most excited about. So that's, that's a quick overview of how our apps work. Cool. I mean, yeah, <clears throat> one thing with Hibernate, like you can do it with a, a criteria, you know, you can do a criteria builder and stuff, but it's just, we, most people just don't, they just, you know, get the relationships and get the relationships and yeah, you got a big mess pretty quick if you're doing any type of reporting. So CBORM yeah. could have, could have ameliorated the problem for us a lot if we discovered it soon enough. Um, there's no question. Um, and I don't yeah. think we necessarily appreciated that at the time because we, we had been using it for like single user CRUD actions mm -hmm. and we really liked it. But I think Criteria Builder was something that it, I just didn't quite grasp well enough. Whereas, so you're exactly right. Yes, you don't have to go to Quick and QB, but. Yeah, but, but I mean, well, they're definitely nice. Yeah, we, we definitely love them. Uh, they're new. We've, we've always talked about doing our own ORM engine. So when Eric had the ideas for Quick, you know, Luis was, you know, Quick to support him on that one. Um, yeah, it's a it's a great tool uh, and it's really grown fast. And I say people like yourself that are using it and giving the feedback, you know, are helping making it a better product all the time. Well, that's that's the type of call that it's kind of what we were talking about. Add into the box. I mean, it's easy to say, you know, modernize or die. Like that sounds very catchy. Uh, but what does that actually mean? And I think for us, you know, we bet our company on cold box and on now on Quick and QB. I mean, that's a a monetary investment of 
you know, a lot of risk um, and even just the development time to redo things that were already working of uh, thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. And we did that because it was the right move in the same way that, you know, I'm sure at some point, I, I don't actually know how this went down, but Eric or somebody said, hey, let's do our own ORM. And Luis had to go, do I really want to you know, take the time from these experienced developers that could be doing anything? Is this the right move for them? And because he said yes, uh, because Orcus got behind it, it opened all kinds of doors. And that's, it's, that doesn't happen a lot, or at least it didn't used to happen a lot in the cold fusion world. Yeah, and that, that's the big thing is, you know, like we've we got to step up as a community. We try as a company to do what's best for the community uh, and our customers. Um, but yeah, if everyone helps and everyone steps up, we can, like I said, make it a better place. And and uh, the first soapbox, uh, Luis talked a lot more about that. And uh, I think it's pretty interesting. So if you guys haven't caught that episode, please go back and, uh, and watch that one as well. So I think we got a pretty good coverage here. Uh, I mean, the the last sort of thing is, uh, I mean, if there's anything else you want to talk about, otherwise we'll go and let them know the best way to get a hold of you and your products. I know we're um, Slack is always the best way to get hold of us. Um, that's you know, I think our our interest in the community is not so much like promoting awareness of our apps, which are fairly niche projects, um, unless you happen to be involved in youth soccer or the New York City school reform movement, in which case I'm happy to talk to you. But um, the community side is we're trying to make this a job that people want to do. And that is so much more true in 2019 than it was in 2017, even much less 2014, 2015. And we're happy to help uh, as much as possible as we can um, and so that's why Slack is always the best place. But um, you know, my contact information is on our website, inleague.io and also inleague.org historically. Um, and I have my Twitter up there. Inleague has a Twitter, but we don't really tweet about it very much. So it's I'm too much of a smart ass and our company's too small. I don't, <laughs> then no one, no one wants to give me a bullhorn because I'll just get myself into trouble unless it's my personal account. So, so we'll add that into the show notes for you guys so you can check that out. And that will be available on soapbox.modernizeordie.io. So again, uh, thanks, Sam, for joining us. I really appreciate having you on and uh, talk to you a little bit about your company and, and your experience with Coldbox. So thank you. Thanks, Evan. Take it easy. Show notes for this episode can be found on soapbox.modernizeordie.io, where you can also subscribe to iTunes, Spotify, Overcast, or your favorite podcast player, or a link to the YouTube channel for more of these videos. The music used in this podcast is under a royalty-free license from Sound.com and Blue Tree Audio.